the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were given to the average American, the rich would have their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a really great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once it's in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So let's supercharge your wealth building plan now with Jim McAleese. Could hide neath the wings of the bluebird as she sings. The six o'clock alarm would never ring. Good morning and welcome to Get Rich Flow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans. Plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Low gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Low. I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of Pindra and Civic, and Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning. Here we are, close to the end of January. Time flies when you're having fun, or just <laughs> time flies, man. How did we get to the end of January? It seems like Christmas was just a week or two ago. My Christmas tree is still up. So, hey, still have that uh, Christmas reminder every day. So, for the next two weeks, I'll be looking at my Christmas tree say, should I take it down today? And generally, they say, leave it up, leave it up. It's good to have Christmas season all year long. But we won't do that. But sooner or later, it'll come down. Now's the time when the snowbirds head south for a couple of months of sunshine and warm breezes. And they'll be back in April when spring and the flowers come again. That idea of sunshine is really great. The cold would be much easier to endure if it was accompanied by sunshine. Just thinking about it should help us escape from that feeling of cabin fever as the days get colder and darker. And while we are stuck inside, we can concentrate on our financial plans. Things like retirement planning, estate planning, insurances. What's ha- and what's happening in the turbulent stock market this week. This week, there was good news for the U.S. economy. The U.S. Department of Commerce in their report, uh, Gross Domestic Product, uh, fourth quarter 2022, and, and for the year 2022, they showed that the quarter ended on a strong note. They showed that the real gross domestic product increased at an annual rate of 2.9% for the fourth quarter. And that is that fits in with the other previous quarterly reports. For instance, the first quarter of 2022, the uh, GDP showed a negative uh, 1.6%. And then in the second quarter, it showed a negative six-tenths of 1% growth. And both of these led to concerns about 
well, are we in a recession? And the answer was no, because, you know, the idea that two negative quarters equals a recession. Uh, the, the, the labor market, the unemployment rate was so low that the labor market was so strong that you'd never include that in the recession. Now, in the third quarter, it bounded up to 3.2%. And in the fourth quarter, which just passed, it was 2.9%. So if you smash all that together, uh, the real gross domestic product increased 2.1% for all of 2022 versus all of 2021. So the current dollar uh, gross domestic product for 2022 stands at 25.46 trillion dollars. That's a big, big economy. And when I talk about gross domestic product, gross domestic product is the value of the goods and services produced by the nation's economy, less the value of the goods and services used up in that production. So it's the biggest economy in the world. And if you dive into the details of the uh, gross domestic product report, it provides kind of a mixed picture. Uh, consumer spending was firm and growing at 2.1% rate versus 2.3% in the third quarter, but there was a notable slowing in capital spending. Uh, and we've talked about this before. People are preparing, uh, companies are preparing for a recession. Not that they know that anymore that, 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 that there is going to be one, but, uh, you know, uh, be prepared. So that's their motto. So there was a not- notable slowing in capital spending with non-residential uh, private fixed investments growing by just seven tenths of one percent, and the housing market that continued that that was a bummer continued to hammer the economy uh, with the residential investment uh, falling at a twenty six point seven percent rate. In other words, they're saying that these interest rates have really slowed down uh, home construction, and uh, and that, that's enough to. If, if that home construction was where it, well, where it was when we had the 3%, it would be up uh, 3% uh, 30-year mortgage rates. It would be up another 1.3% in terms of GDP growth. And moreover, two other, uh, two often volatile uh, categories boosted the GDP this quarter. The first uh, was inventories. And they grew in the fourth quarter after contracting in the third quarter. And this restocking effectively means businesses are producing more than they need to merely meet demand. So this boosted gross domestic product by nearly 1.5%. And the second uh, category was the trade, where U.S. exports slipped a bit in the fourth quarter, but imports declined by even more. So the narrowing of the trade deficit added almost six-tenths of a percentage point to growth. So the concern is that both of those things are volatile, and they could change from quarter to quarter. So uh, it's nice to have them, but I hope they stay there. Uh, each quarter, as we go forward, it's going to be, become more difficult, I believe. You know, since October, companies have difficulty increasing prices to protect their earnings. You know, in 2022, we all saw the prices go up and up and up. And the way that the companies uh, protected their earnings was to increase their prices. So if their costs went up, then the prices went up. But since October, what we're seeing is that it's more difficult to do that and the earnings are decreasing, you know, according to a J.P. Morgan estimate for the fourth quarter earnings, which is just starting now. It's visible now. The fourth quarter earnings will grow at only 4.5% this quarter. So global equities were mostly positive this week. In the U.S., the three major stock indices, the Dow Jones average, industrial average, standard and poor 500, and the NASDAQ composite were positive for the week. While in the UK, the FTSE 100 was down for the week, and in the European Union, both uh, Germany's DAX 
index and the stock European Europe 600 were both up for the week. And in Asia, Japan's Nikkei 225 was up for the week, while in China, both the Shanghai Composite and Hong Kong's Hang Seng were both up for the week. So basically, the, the, the movement was basically up last week, except for that uh, England, uh, the UK. As Friday, on Friday, the three major stock industries closed the week at uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average closed at 33,978.08. So it was up 1.81% for the week and up 2.51% year to date. And the Standard and Poor 500 uh, was up, uh, the Standard Poor 500 came in Friday at 4,070.56. So it was up 2.47% for the week and up 6.02% uh, year to date. And of course, the NASDAQ, the composite closed at 11,621.71. And that was up 4.2% for the week and up 11.04% for a year to date. Well, the year. The year-to-date numbers look great, but the year to, it's already been a little while, and we're all measuring year-to-date since January 1st. So here we are, was it, three or four weeks into the year. So to me, uh, I, I often like to talk about it in these terms of year-to-date for this year, but also we've got a hole to fill in for last year, too. So you know, the, uh, if I take a look at the Dow Jones Industrial Average, uh, where they were at Friday, they're still down 6.5% from where they were um, January 1st, 2022. And the same thing for the Standard and Poor 500. They're still down 14.59% from where they were in January of 2022. And for the NASDAQ, even though they're flying high right now, they're still down 2572 where they were in 2000, January 1st, 2022. So uh, great news, but you have to know the whole story. Uh, we know the economy is slowing down. These are the Federal Reserve's actions. You know, they've been increasing their interest rates, and we've seen it in terms of uh, how it's impacted uh, real estate, uh, new real estate, new uh, residential construction, uh, existing home sales. All these things have been impacted by these rate increases. You've seen orders for manufactured goods and as well as uh, service orders. They were both down in December. And yesterday, the Department of Commerce reported that U.S. households cut spending in December, adding to the signs of an economic slowdown. According to the report, uh, spending in the U.S. households decreased two-tenths of a percent in December from November and uh, uh, compared with the downward re- revised uh, one-tenth of one percent decrease in November. So so the spending went down uh, uh, one-tenth of a percent in November, and that was followed by two-tenths of a percent decrease in December. We'll talk about that uh, later in the show. In addition, the Department of Commerce report in their uh, personal consumption expenditure price index, which basically the, the personal consumption expenditure price increase is an alternate method of tracking inflation. And uh, there's a CPI, the Consumer Price Index, which is the one we most track all the time. But the one that the Federal Reserve uh, prefers is the personal consumption expenditure. I think they feel that there's not so much emphasis on the uh, the uh, shelter in, in that particular, the personal consumption expenditure. So according to the report, the core uh, personal consumption expenditure index, which captures uh, underlying inflation after removing volatile food and fuel uh, prices, rose 4.4% in December from a year earlier. That's been its lowest pace since October of 2021. And that compares with uh, 
an increase of 4.7% in November the previous month. Uh, the central bank aims for, you know, we've been talking about this for the last two years, aims for 2% annual inflation. Uh, on a month-to-month basis, the personal consumption expenditures, a personal consumption price index rose one-tenth of a percent in December from the, from the uh, prior month and matching uh, November's increase. Core prices rose three-tenths of a percent from the prior month, and that was up from November's two-tenths of a percent increase. So if you take a look at the personal consumption expenditures uh, versus the consumer price index, uh, both for December, what you're going to see is that the uh, year-over-year numbers for the personal consumption expenditure, uh, they come in at 5.0. And in the uh, consumer price index, that same idea, that same one-year number uh, comes in at 6.5%. Now, if you take a look and say, I'm going to exclude food and fuel, then I'm talking about the core uh, personal consumption expenditure. And the latest numbers for January show that uh, over the past, uh, over a 12-month period, uh, inflation was 4.4% according to the personal consumption expenditure, but it was 5.7% according to the um, uh, consumer price index. So different methodology. the good point about it is that uh, if you track one or you track the other, they're both moving downward. And uh, that will be important at the upcoming Federal Open Market Committee meeting on Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. That's where they get together and uh, they talk about uh, basically uh, what should we increase the the uh, federal funds uh, or the uh, federal funds rates by. So the consensus, the estimates of the economists is that they're going to propose a one quarter of a percent increase, and that'll bring the the, the present four and a half percent up to four and three quarters of a percent. But there are other advocates that say, hey, uh, why not do a half a percent? And that kind of lines up with uh, what the the Federal Reserve talked about at their December meeting. In the December meeting, they were saying, well, uh, we're standing at uh, the federal open, the um, the numbers for the for the uh, the uh, federal um, look at that, my, my <laughs> the numbers for the uh, federal open market committee meeting from December were four and a half to four and three quarters. So really the uh, interest rate lies between those two. And that's what the Federal Reserve Bank of New York does. They make sure that it does lie between those two numbers. Now we're going to increase the the boundary from uh, possibly increase the boundary from uh, four and a half to four and uh, three quarters. And uh in December, they talked about increasing it by three quarters of one percent in the first quarter of this year. So I don't know uh, what the, what they're going to do. The consensus is that they're going to raise it a quarter uh, at this meeting in uh, next week, and they're going another uh, quarter at the uh, towards the end of March. I think it's March twenty second, March twenty third meeting. So you'll see another couple increases, but they'll be relatively small. I think the Federal Reserve has done the heavy lifting and uh, in terms of you know, getting these interest rates up. And you can see it in the in the uh, bond prices. So what you're seeing is that uh, in the big picture, the economy is slowing down. Uh, the inflation is slowing down, too. There's more of a balance between the demand and the uh, supply. Uh, there are weaknesses. Everybody is, uh, you know, the consumer is slowing down his spending. Uh, uh, companies are slowing down their spending. Basically, 
in fear that uh, there could be a recession. Uh, everybody's uh, predicting a recession, whether there will be one or not is another story, but uh, everybody's being prepared for one. So things are slowing down, and uh, it's showing up in the numbers. Uh, to me, the big thing about it will be if they can get inflation under control in uh, uh, the first six months, or the, you know, the first half of this year, uh, we'll be in good shape to, uh, you know, proceed. We'll have a, an economy that is working with real uh, interest rates and uh, real inflation numbers in terms of uh, inflation numbers that are down in the order of 2%. Maybe they'll even go lower, who knows, at which point there'll be a, a big push to really lower the rates fast. Uh, in the big picture, that's what we see. But the most important part is in uh, what you're doing in your financial plan and how you're handling, uh, you know, meeting your goals in terms of uh, saving for a car, a house, a wedding a business, uh, things that you put down as your goals. Everybody's goal is basically to retire sooner or later. And that's basically one of the, uh, the biggest uh, expenses, the uh, biggest goals that you're going to have, in other words. And the place you start with that is a budget. And you put take a look at your budget, see what it takes to run your household at the present time. And... Uh, what you're going to be faced with when you retire is uh, it costs so much to run my household now. Uh, I'm going to have Social Security. I'm going to have my 401k. I'm going to maybe have a pension. How do all, I'm going to have a nest egg of, of uh, savings? How do all these things fit together uh, to keep up my income after I retire? So it, it takes some thought and takes some discipline in the sense that you've got to uh, move your move your income as it comes in the door now into savings into different pots so that they can be invested and used to uh, increase those numbers for the future. You know, uh, one of the things that I you know heard this week and in, in talking to my uh, clients, uh, well. People are concerned about the, the new SECURE Act, the 2.0 Act, and what do they have to know about that? And one of the biggest things is that uh, on December 29th of 2022, President Biden signed the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2023. Included in this act is the SECURE Act of 2.0, which is aimed at helping to boost retirement savings. So. The big thing, the big change was the change in and required minimum distribution age. So for the IRAs and qualified employer-sponsored retirement plans, such as 401ks, 403bs, and government 457 plans, uh, the reduction, uh, the, the required minimum distribution age increases to age 73 in 2023. Uh, from uh, 72 in uh, the last year. So uh, now you don't have to take money out until you get to be 73. And uh, that's going to go up to age 75, I think, by 2033. So, uh, and uh, uh, the, the uh, beginning, uh, they're going to re reduce this uh, penalty if you don't take it out. You know, the penalty, if you don't take it out, used to be 50 percent. And that was kind of <laughs> that was kind of over the top. And uh, but they, they did revise that. So it's already 25 percent, which is still a pretty big number. Uh, so you got to keep track of that. And make sure that you do uh, your required minimum distribution in the year. You have it until the end of the year to get it out of there. Uh, for, for instance, if. Uh, if your first year uh, for your required minimum distribution is this year, then you have until December 31st of this year to get that money out of your uh, out of your uh, retirement plan, 
And basically, all the government wants you to do is take out a certain piece of money, approximately 4% of your retirement money, and pay the taxes on it. So if you take out, and when I say approximate, there, there are lookup tables that utilize your age, and they come up with a discrete number, and you divide your your um, uh, your total of your retirement savings by that number, and you get your required minimum distribution, you know, to two decimal places. So uh, to me, it's, it's I look at it as it's approximately 4%. Dig out the the four percent of your retirement. Uh, then the question is, how much do you want the the organization that has the money? How much do you want them to send off to the government as withholding? You might say, oh, take twenty percent out. So twenty percent goes off to the government, and you have the other eighty percent to do whatever you want with. You can have a check sent to your home or sent to your bank or or uh, re, uh, reinvest it in an after-tax account. So, But the idea here is that uh, if you reinvest it, you're just going to be short uh, the amount of taxes that you paid, which is going to be 20% of, of uh, four. So what's that? Eight-tenths of 1%. So it's going to be within the noise level of uh, your uh, investments moving around. So... Uh, it's one of the things to keep track of and uh, uh, gives you a little bit more detail. There's also other other things about uh, uh, distribution exceptions and things of that nature. But the big thing is that you don't have to take anything out until you become uh, age 73. Okay. Uh, this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. You can give us a call. We have a toll-free number. It's one eight eight eight. Two eight one eleven ten. That's one eight 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 two eight one eleven ten. Give us a call about your financial plan or about your uh, uh, position with regard to the economy, and we'll talk. Okay, stay tuned. I'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, however, Jim can't answer all your questions because of time restraints and the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstones Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstones Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, finding your next home, planning for retirement, finding the right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow with Jim McAleese. seen a face I can't forget the time or place where we just met she's just the girl for me and I want all the world to see we've met mm-hmm. had it been another day I might have looked the other way and welcome back to get rich slow this is your host Jim McAleese you can give us a call it's one 281 let's go to the phone hello John Good morning. Good morning. Always appreciate it. Can you hear me? Have you got any? Yes, I can hear you. Have you got any sunlight? Uh, okay. I'm not looking for good old days when specialists were human beings and not robots. On the other hand, (laughs) how can you look into due diligence when some of the hedge funds are allowed these days with no purpose at all excepting you give me the money? At least in crowdfunding for a charity or a fire or a replacement of somebody, Red Cross, at least they say the purpose. This is a capitalistic country. Why do we allow such things? I know it's very difficult to answer. I understand that. <laughs> well, you find that the uh, 
the one big thing that the uh, private equity firms are doing right there is basically rolling up different uh, organizations. And, and uh, the idea here is that supposedly you put your money in and they utilize it to buy other companies and get them in shape and then they give your money back to you. But it's a long-term project. You might get not get your money back for five or ten years. So you really make a commitment, and uh, you know it's uh, uh, it's really an act of trust more than anything else. Not uh, everything is bad. Uh, capitalism, for example, with all the malls and everything else, hybrid real estate, IITs are opening up, and you know I'm cap- I believe in capitalism. Nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. That somewhere along the way, we are looking for somewhere around the North Star, but some of them are clouded too much. You can see the star. Yeah. <laughs> you, have to, you, have to be, you have to be diligent. You That's where you come in and keep up the good work. I'm listening. <laughs> okay. All right, John. <laughs> you, give, you give us a call whenever you, you want to. Sure, I All will. Right. I will. You take care. Good call. Bye-bye, John. Bye-bye. This is Jim McAleese again. You know, when we talk about what's happening, uh, we also have to to look at uh, the details of what's going on. And what I mentioned before, that the the economy is definitely slowing down. Uh, We look at it and we say in December, household cut spending, adding signs of an economic slowdown and Underlying inflation cooled to its slowest pace in, since October of 2021. Uh, right now, the spending in, uh, for U.S. households decreased two tenths of a percent in December, or incre- decreased one tenth of a percent in November. The economy has shown signs of cooling in response to the Federal, Federal Reserve's efforts to combat inflation in the past year. The central bank has reeled off the most rapid series of increases since the early 1980s and raised its federal funds rates by 4.25%. So um, that 4.25% that they raised it this year, they started this year with a quarter of 1%. So now that the, they got the federal funds rate up to 4.5%. And... Uh, uh, it's expected to increase, um, I'd quote, another three-quarters of a percent in the first quarter. As part, as part of their plan in uh, they, uh, they talked about in December. Let's go to the phones again. Hello, this is Jim McAleese. How can I help you? Hello. Hi. Oh, hi, hi Jim. How are you doing? Good. I'm good. Um. So I got a question for you. Um, I'm 63 years old. I'm getting ready to retire. Okay, and mm-hmm. I was I got money in a deferred comp. Okay, so right. I was wondering, can I withdraw from that deferred comp, which I have enough years in there, and take that yeah. money and then reinvest it into a Roth IRA? And that way, that would bring down my minimum distribution you know, when I have to do it when I'm 73 years old or whatever. So sort of start whittling it down now, pull it out, pay the 20% tax because that's what deferred comp makes you pay, and then take the remainder of that or what I'm allowed to take and put that into um, uh, a Roth IRA for then that way, um, you know, I can withdraw it then. My question is, do I have to pay tax on it again when I put it in the Roth? Well, you have to pay tax when you put it into Roth. Absolutely. In other words, basically, uh, uh, your IRA, the traditional IRA, the traditional retirement plan says that uh, uh, you don't pay your taxes now, but uh, we're going to put the money into uh, this retirement plan, and it's going to grow. And when you start to take it out, uh, anytime you take it out, they're going to regard that as earned income and you're going to pay taxes on the amount that you take out. Now, if you want to put it into a Roth, uh, the Roth is after tax money. So you've got to pay your, pay your taxes on it 
and move it into the Roth. So I'm not a big believer in uh, uh, at, at retirement age uh, putting uh, paying the government uh, their taxes, particularly the 20%, and or maybe even more, depending upon how much is coming out of this retirement plan and going into the Roth. But you, you have to pay that tax. So my position would be, hey, uh, you you either leave the money in there and you take it out uh, as you need it and pay your taxes on it, or you move it into a, a traditional IRA and do the same thing. You know, uh, uh, you'll have different uh, options in terms of uh, what you can invest in okay. other than deferred comp. So, okay, to 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 pay that money, anything that goes into that Roth, uh, you got to pay the taxes off. Okay, wow, any idea? Yeah. yeah, wow. <laughs> well, I'm just saying that's like a double tax, though, isn't it? Because you pay tax. On no, it no, no. Out. It's not you a know? double tax because once you once you pay the tax and put it into the Roth, then you can take it out of the Roth uh, in the future without paying taxes on it. But didn't I pay tax on it? Uh, you know, didn't I pay tax on that when I withdrew it from the deferred comp, uh, the four five seven? I paid tax on it. So now I'm going to take no. the leftover balance and pay tax on it again. No, no, you're going to move that into. Uh, uh, you, let's say you're going to move it into an IRA and from the I, traditional IRA, and from there you're going to move it into a Roth. Okay, so you're going to move it from the. Uh, third copy to a traditional IRA. There's no tax there. It's still a retirement plan, one way or the other. And then you're going to move the from the IRA into a Roth. And that's wow. where you're going to pay your tax. So, so you're once saying... Once it's in the Roth, then you don't... Uh, you can take money out right. without paying taxes on it. So, you have so to you're save saying... Your, I'll get it. So you're saying you don't have to pay tax on it when it comes out of the four five seven. I can just say I'm going to no. roll it over into a Roth, and then I would pay the tax on that, and then it would go into the Roth IRA. Uh, I, I'd go the I, I'd go the IRA first, the traditional IRA first. Oh, okay. don't make it too complex. Yeah. You okay. Know? I got you. And it's just, okay. you roll it over to additional people roll over IRAs all the time, and they don't pay taxes on it. I you get know, it. Okay. Any time, okay. let me put it this way: any time a dollar leaves a financial institution, and if that dollar is a retirement uh, uh, dollar, the government is notified. So, if you go from okay. uh, one, let's say you go from Fidelity to Vanguard or something like that, uh, once that money leaves, uh, let's say Fidelity and goes to Vanguard, the government is notified that it left Fidelity and is notified when it's received at Vanguard. And the, and the computer and the government and the IRS uh, knows there's been a handshake. Uh, it left and it's been received. One and yeah, okay. right. So they know exactly where that money has left. And if there's no handshake... <laughs> okay, I got you. That makes sense. They're, they're, looking, they're looking for you and and that tax, okay. Yeah, yeah. Looking <laughs> for you not to put it. that roll it over, and you're going to pay all the tax on that, right? I got it. Yeah. <laughs> right. so, so let me ask so, you one more thing, right. if I can. Sure. What do you think of at my age, sixty-three years old, and my wife's sixty? We're looking at a meeting with somebody in the next week or so about possibly doing a trust. Because I dealt with this with my mother, and we we're thinking about we do have a will and everything. But we're thinking about going into a trust to get past that five-year waiting period. And I don't know. I'm just wondering what your opinion on that is. Do you think that's a good idea? A, a revocable uh, trust, not an irrevocable. Uh, it's got to be an irrevocable to really meet the uh, five years. In other words, oh. if you go into, you know, and you, you, and basically now I'm getting at the law, which I'm not a lawyer, so I'm not. Uh, don't trust me when I say these right. things. Always <laughs> consult with a lawyer. But basically, what happens is that uh, an irre- if it's a revocable trust, uh, and you think you met the five-year rule, well, the county is going to come right back at you and say, "Hey, 
uh, that's a revocable trust that they money's in. You could take that money out of there anytime you want to. Uh, so that doesn't meet our five-year rule. It's got to be an irrevocable trust, which means that you give it away. It's no longer your money. Yeah, right, right. Somebody else, and you're hoping on the, <laughs> on the good nature of whoever you gave it to, that they'll help you sometime yeah. in the future, you know. So uh, okay. be careful, you know. All right, I will. Be very I got, careful. I'm glad you said that. I didn't think about that. And one real quick, one more, real quick. Between a sure. 457 and a 403B, which one would you do? Uh, there's different rules. There's different rules for for them. You're in a different organization. Can you go okay. for a 403B? Well, what, well, what it is, my daughter just became, got a job at a college, and they're offering her either a 403B or a 457. And I'm in the four five seven, and I love it. And I go, I would for, go with the four five seven. Yeah, I would right. go with the four five seven. Okay, okay, I think I'm right. Well, Jim, you have a great day. All right, you take care, Frank. Good All right, thank you. Bye bye. All right, thank bye-bye. you. Bye bye. This is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. You can give us a call over our toll free number. It's one eight 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 two eight one eleven ten. Stay tuned, I'll be right back. When this old world starts getting me down And people are just too much for me to face I climb way up to the top of the stairs And all my cares just drift right into space Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. Uh, you know, one of the things we were talking about was the uh, uh, people spending and uh, consumer spending and things of this nature. And uh, one of the reports from the Department of Commerce basically says that, uh, for instance, in uh, uh, November, uh, consumers' uh, personal income amounted to 56 point. Uh, $6 billion. That was the increase. I'm sorry, that, that was not the total. That was the increase in November was $56.6 billion, And that was a three-tenths of 1% increase. Now, <clears throat> their spending in November went down $19.1 billion, or it was a one-tenth of a percent decrease in their spending. So their income went up and their spending went down. In December, uh, the increase in the income was uh, $49.5 billion, bigger $50 billion. It was uh, an increase of two-tenths of 1% uh, in the, their uh, uh, spending was forty was uh, cut, $41.6 billion, or a decrease of two-tenths. So basically what you're seeing is that uh, for the longest time, the the consumers were increasing their income and also increasing their spending, and they were utilizing their savings as the uh, go-to bucket to make up the difference. But now what you're seeing is that even as their spending and even even as their income increases, they're starting to decrease their spending. Uh, and uh, the uh, the savings rate is basically going down. In other words, if you take a look at the latest savings rate uh, for December, it was 3.4%. In November, I think it was 27 And if you look back to um, previous times, uh, in 2021, the savings rate was 12%. In 2020, of course, 2020 was a COVID time, and it was 17%. Then you, you wasn't anything you could, well, there was things you could spend your money on, but people had a difficult time finding things. So basically what you're seeing is even though people's incomes are increasing, their spending is going down. 
So, uh, and uh, the um, uh, things that you're seeing are that the inflation is uh, chewing up part of what you're uh, uh, getting. In other words, if I take a look at the uh, real spending, in other words, if I take inflation into account, uh, the real spending in December was down three-tenths of a percent. And as far as goods, spending on goods was down nine-tenths of a percent. Uh, durable goods was down 1.6%, and non-durable goods were down four-tenths of a percent, and services were just flat. So people are making up, uh, uh, people are spending less, or people are spending, basically uh, spending less, but they're also getting less because of the inflation. So uh, the the things that we're seeing right now is that uh, um, the inflation is getting more and more uh, difficult to get around, and uh, hopefully we can get this inflation number down. Like right now, the CPI number says that the uh, uh, 12-month inflation number is 6.5%, or if you go to the core number uh, for inflation you know, without food and fuel, it's 5.7. These are December December numbers. And uh, uh, what are the what are the the December the PC the personal consumption expenditure? Uh, the 12 month number is 5.0, and the core number without food or fuel is 4.4. So we're going in the right direction. Uh, hopefully, we'll get there. Uh, another thing to talk about is durable goods orders, and the durable goods orders are also on their way down too. This week, orders for durable manufactured goods, uh, the the uh, oh, whoa, wait a second, they decreased. Uh, uh, oh, okay. Durable goods orders in December suddenly increased. Uh, and they increased principally because of the big Boeing order. In other words, in the monthly advance report on durable goods, manufacturers, shipments, inventories, and orders for December, new orders for durable manufactured goods in December increased $15.3 billion, or 5.6%. And previously, Orders had decreased 1.7% in November and October, and uh, the big jump was due to commercial aircraft with a price for, well, basically, the price of an aircraft, like a 737, is approximately $95 million each. So uh, what the airlines generally do is group the orders together uh, to get the best prices they can to negotiate with Boeing. And the, since air travel has come back like gangbusters uh, after this big hiatus due to the COVID, uh, consumers now want to spend money on travel. And what you're seeing is a huge number in uh, commercial aircraft. Uh, for instance, if you take a look at the uh, primary metals numbers, you know, steel and stuff like that, uh, in the month of December, so it's down. Three tenths of a percent fabrication of metal products up three tenths of a percent machinery down one point seven percent computers down six tenths of a percent uh, motor vehicles uh, up point seven percent civilian aircraft up one hundred and one hundred and fifteen point five percent okay <laughs> that's a big number. Defense aircraft up 15.2%, all other durable goods up 7 cents of 1%. So basically, uh, the the December number was re- in terms of uh, durable goods was saved by this huge uh, order. I think it was from Delta, but I'm not quite sure. Uh, they, they threw an order in close to, you know, $15 billion. So. 
figure out how many aircraft that buys you to at a hundred hundred billion dollars a pop. Okay, the other the other thing is uh, uh, monthly new residential sales. If you take a look, if you take a look at where we're at in terms of sales of newly constructed single-family homes, they were slightly up in December, maybe because your buyers bought in anticipation of uh, of higher mortgage rates in the future. Mortgage rates have been coming down, or perhaps because of some price reductions. In other words, the home construction industry is suffering right now, and basically what they want to do is move these uh, move these homes. And sales of new single-family homes was up 2.3% in December from November. But basically, if you compare it to December a year ago, they were down 26.6%. That's according to the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development in their report on monthly new residential sales for December. So uh, what it shows is the sales action is similar to what we similar to what we saw last week uh, when we looked at the housing starts for December and reported reported in the government's monthly new residential construction report. For example, what we saw there was that for single-family home starts in December from November, permits were down 1.6%, starts were down 1.4%, and compared with that was uh, December to November. But if you compare it to December a year earlier, permits were down 29.9% and starts were down 21.8%. And the increase in sales is helping uh, reduce the supply of un- unsold uh, new houses, which are still at a nine-month uh, uh, nine month of sales in December, but they were 10 months of sales in uh, September. So the report shows that shows that uh, 460,000 homes for sale at the end of December. This is across the United States, and uh, give you an idea of what categories are in. In December of 2022, 96,000 of these homes hadn't been started yet. They were sold but not started. 288,000 were under construction. And uh, 76,000 had been completed. So uh, in December, in the one month, you're talking about 460,000 new homes that are either under construction or not started construction yet, but they're sold uh, as inventory. So uh, (laughs) the housing industry is definitely hanging in there because of all these uh, rate increases. So uh, this is Jim McAleese. Uh, you're listening to Get Rich Slow. Uh, the, the the surveys of consumer sentiment from the University of Michigan showed that people are becoming more uh, in tune with uh, inflation coming down and more in tune with uh, uh, depending upon, you know, uh, hoping hoping that it gets there in time for them. This is Jim McAlee. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. <clears throat> Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. There's little, let's talk about lessons in life. So this, these, this comes from a, a highly popular column by Regina Brett. And this came from the the, uh, the uh, plane dealer newspaper in, in a fixture in Cleveland years and years ago. And uh, it talks about 45 lessons written by a 90-year-old. Now, Regina is not a 90-year-old, but uh, nevertheless, this Pulitzer Prize finalist had a wealth of knowledge and life's lessons. And you would think that she was in her 90s. So here's her lesson in life. Life is not fair, but it's still good. And lesson number two, when in doubt, just take the next small step. Number three, life is too short not to enjoy it. Number four, 
your job won't take care of you when you're sick. Your friends and family will. Number five, don't buy stuff that you don't need. And number six, you do not have to win every argument. Number seven, cry with somebody is more healing than crying alone. And next one is it's okay to get angry with God. God can take it. Next one is save for things that matter. And also, when it comes to chocolate, resistance is futile. Another is <laughs> make peace with your past so it doesn't screw up your present. And number 12, it's okay to let your children see you cry. And number 13, don't compare your life to others. You have no idea what their journey is all about. Another, if a relationship has to be secret, you shouldn't be in it. And then everything can change in the blink of an eye. But don't worry, God never blinks. Then take a deep breath. It calms the mind. Another one is get rid of anything that is not useful. Water weighs you down in many ways. Another one is whatever does not kill you really makes you stronger. <laughs> I, guess, I think I'll argue with that one. But who knows? It's never too late to be happy, but it's all up to you and to nobody else. Another one is when it comes to going after what you love in life, don't take no for an answer. Another one is burn the candles, use the nice sheet, <laughs> and don't save for a special occasion. Today is special. Another one is over-prepare, then go with the flow. Another one is be eccentric now. Don't wait for old age to wear different colors like purple. The, the most important sex organ is the brain. Another one is no one is in charge of your happiness but you. And then frame every so-called disaster with these three words. In five years, will any of this matter? Then, because of no one <clears throat> believes in miracles, God loves you because who God is, not because of anything you did or did not do. Don't audit life. Show up and make the most of it now. Growing old beats the alternatives. Your children only get one childhood. All that truly matters in the end is that you loved. Go outside every day. Miracles are waiting everywhere. If you throw our problems in a pile and saw somebody else, you'd grab bars back. No matter how you feel, get up, dress up, go up. Life is not tied with a bow, but it is still a gift. And until we meet again next week for more of Get Rich Slow, may God protect you and keep you safe. You've been listening to Get Rich Slow with Jim McAleese of Cornerstone Consultants, Inc., Located at 47149 Bursley Road, Wellington, Ohio, 44090, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc. The materials Jim shares is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or other financial instrument. Past performance does not guarantee future performance. All the views expressed are those of James McAleese and Cornerstones Consultants, Inc., and not those of Next Financial Group, Inc. Next Financial Group does not provide tax advice. The S&P 500 is a market cap weighted index composed of the common stocks of 500 leading companies in leading industries of the U.S. economy. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is a price-weighted index of 30 actively traded blue-chip stocks. To make an appointment with Jim regarding your own finances, call 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Get 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.